Hello, I'm John Ellis. Welcome to episode 55 of Pitodri PS, the predominantly Dons-based podcast featuring not just the Dons' first team, but a look across the age groups and genders at the club. And we focus on the respective progress of Cove and Peterhead too, as well as the Northeast local representatives in the Highland League and juniors. And not just football, but any sport making headlines in the Northeast of Scotland or featuring someone from the Northeast of Scotland. Joining me for this journey, as always, Dave McDermott and Andrew Shiny. So here we are recording this episode on the morning of Tuesday, November 1st, 2022, reviewing our match against Rangers and looking ahead to a home game against Hibs on Friday evening. Plus all the action from the under-18s and women's teams, and we're across the country and down the leagues for a look at the rest of the Northeast too. But first, to the game most recent in our minds, Saturday afternoon at Ibrox, the Dons looking to capitalise on a good burst of form, at the same time Rangers were going through a run of the exact opposite. Manager Giovanni Van Bronckhorst's coat on the proverbial Shukli peg. Oh, how the Dons fans would love to be the club that forced the Rangers board to wield the axe. Then again, a wounded animal is often at its most dangerous. And Ibrox hasn't exactly been the most happy of hunting grounds over the years for the Red Army. The taste of victory there rare in its nature. So how did it play out? Well, you'll know by now. It finished 4-1 for Rangers. I've heard comments from pundits saying it could have easily been twice that. Your post-match thoughts, Andrew? We'll start with the positives. Connor Barden's goal will stop. The negatives will look so tactically bereft of ideas, inept, embarrassed, however you, you want to put it. I think it's the sign of a good coaching staff that they recognise when a tactical plan is not working and they change it quickly. And that didn't happen. I mean, it was ages into the game and you could see it was clear as day that the back three was getting pulled about all over the place because the wing backs were far too high up the pitch. They weren't engaging with the wingers at all which meant that your two outside centre-backs were having to go out to the wing, which left huge gaps in the middle. And once Rangers, you know, got themselves shaken out of their early game lethargy, they did have one or two half-chances early doors, but Conor Barnes scored, and then it, they seemed to take a shake to themselves. And thereafter, they absolutely battered Aberdeen. Now, had the Dons managed to get in at 1-1 at half-time, it may have been slightly different. The ideal was that when you scored relatively early at Ibrox, I'm not saying shut up shop, but tighten everything up to ensure that you get to half-time leading. And uh, you know that if you're in that position, the Rangers fans are going to boo their team off the park. There's going to be a nervousness is going to start to creep into their play. Instead of which... Lundstrom scores in first half stoppage time. It lifts everybody. And then second half, it wasn't a case of could Aberdeen get back into the game? It was could Aberdeen prevent this becoming a cricket score? So a really poor showing from Aberdeen. Interesting in the aftermath, Anthony Stewart coming out and saying, and I'm paraphrasing here, Dave, but uh, most other clubs come to places like Ibrox and Celtic Park and they treat it like a free hit. We don't. We came here with a good attacking record and tried to play to that. And we'll, we'll do the same again when they come to Petodri because we believe it'll work there. So absolutely no recognition or admission that tactics were wrong, but simply that they didn't defend well enough and impose themselves in the game more. And equally, I, I've read comments along the lines of, if we'd gone looking for a low-scoring game, trying to nick one, we'd have been slaughtered by the fans. Instead, we have a go, get hammered and still get slaughtered. Were our tactics wrong? Were we too gung-ho? Yeah, well, I mean, hindsight obviously is a... An excellent thing, and uh, yeah, in retrospect, the tactics were wrong. But I think more worrying 
was, as far as I was concerned, there were warning signs, although Rangers started slowly, there were warning signs down the flanks that we were being exposed. And then when Connor Barron got the goal, and well done to young Connor for getting the opening his account, you know, there was just no change at all. And that that's the really worrying thing for me is the fact that we didn't try and change things in the game. And I know if you sit back and try and, you know, contain them, you'll you'll get slaughtered by the fans. If you go out all out attack and it doesn't work, you get slaughtered by the fans. But I think the lack of or the apparent lack of ability to actually change things around when when it wasn't working. That was to me the the most obvious thing. And um, attitude was absolutely right. Defending was absolutely hopeless on occasions, and we were caught out so much. Yeah, um, I, I'm trying to make a, a plus out of this, uh, one, Andrew. But given what Anthony Stewart said, you know, we, we still have belief in our system. Um, do you see it knocking spirits too much in the next game? I don't think so. They seem, they seem a pretty resilient bunch, to be honest. I mean, that's the second time in October they've shipped four goals away from home. And actually looking at the statistics, as I'm wont to do, um, we've got the worst uh, record of goals against in the Premier League. We've conceded 15 goals. Nobody else has conceded 15 uh, away from home this season. And that is something that should be ringing major alarm bells. But as I say, they have shown an ability to bounce back from adversity. They got stuffed out of sight at Tannadice start of the month and then put together you know, three successive victories. But now uh, it's going to be a, a slightly tougher challenge to come back from from that defeat at Ibrox because everybody went there feeling full of optimism. I haven't heard fans being so desirous of going to Ibrox for a long, long time. Everybody wanted to get there because they really did think Aberdeen have got a chance here. And then, you know, you watch that and it was back to the bad old days. And uh, to answer your question, no, I don't think it will affect confidence, but they've got to look at this away form and it's got to be sorted out quickly because it's just simply not good enough. Pataudry, yes, they're playing well at Pataudry, they're winning games, they're scoring lots of goals, but on the road, they look a shambles. And I, I, I can't put my finger on why that should be. But at home, we're still seeing there's this fragility about the defense that, you know, it rears its ugly head, not just once or twice, but three or four times in a game. And there's going to come a time where somebody's going to be clinical and is going to really punish us. Motherwell did it back in, let's see, when was it? August. Since then, nobody's really laid a glove in Aberdeen at Pataudry. But away from home, everybody, I'm sure, fancies their chances. And I think Dave sent me a message on Saturday. He says, why or why is it? That when a team's low in confidence, you want to play us, they, they get us, yeah, and all of a sudden confidence yeah. is renewed. So it, it's something that really needs to be sorted out, and it's not just about confidence; it's getting back to the basics. There were times on Saturday that it, it looked as though almost they were they were wanting to try and play themselves out of defence at a time when get the ball as far away from our box as possible, because it, it wasn't a case of oh, we're kind of just, um, uh, we're, we're trying to play it out and, and, and go forward. We hadn't threatened Rangers at all, and we weren't good enough to be playing them ourselves out of trouble. So just get it away. Try and get yourselves regrouped and get themselves back into some sort of shape that you could sort things out. Because, you know, we made Rangers look very good. 
Rangers, I'm sure, lifted their game because they were under pressure. They were aware of the fact that Giovanni van Bronckhorst's head was probably on the block had they lost on Saturday. And Aberdeen would always know Rangers try to put on their best when they play against Aberdeen. Regardless of what Rangers fans will tell you about, oh, Aberdeen, they only ever raise their game when they come to Ibrox or when they play against us. The flip side is every bit is true. Confidence-wise, maybe they still feel good, but they've got to get themselves sorted out defensively. Okay, so just let's rewind this a little bit. Um, I'm thinking back a few games here, probably the Hearts game where we deployed that 3-5-2 system, Dave. And then we did it against Motherwell as well, didn't we, when we were away from home? And that was our first away win in goodness knows how long. So can you blame Jim Goodwin for going into the Ibrox game with that same system if it's been reaping success? Was there any problem with starting with that? Is it just the fact that he didn't change it when it most obviously wasn't working that you have the problem with? Yeah, I think the pointers were there to support Jim starting with that. But again, I come back to the fact that uh, when it wasn't, patently wasn't working, why try and continue with it, you know, until the game's out of sight? I don't think we'll have a problem at home. I think things are working at home. But as Andrew said, defensively, I mean, Jane Richardson, great going forward, but doesn't appear to be able to keep his position at the back and really defend that well. And that, that's somewhere I noticed we're being linked with the uh, Tranmere right back in the paper, some of the papers today. So, you know, it's perhaps something that, uh, if that link is true, it's perhaps something that's been recognised by the by the coaching staff at Pretoria. But, uh, yeah, I mean, also, you know, despite their problems, Rangers, with all due respect to Motherwell, are a, a step up in, in quality sure. from, from Motherwell. So you look back at history, history, or recent history certainly, does, does tell you that these tactics were a recipe for being brought back down to earth with a bump, which is exactly what we were. So it's a difficult one. You know, Jim's paid the big bucks to make these decisions. He came out to said he got it he got it wrong, but he can't keep coming out and saying after a game I got the tactics wrong. You know, we've as, as Andrew touched on, we've not coming out after a game. It's actually getting the tactics right for each game, and each it doesn't uh, from the outside. It doesn't appear to me that. It's horses for courses. We, we, we tried a, a formation that worked with the Motherwell game away from home, and we just stick with that until it doesn't work. Okay, I get what you're saying. He's also said in, in the past, you know, when, when we've been caught in possession at the back, for instance, he's also said, you know, look, that put that on my shoulders. I, I tell my players to play a certain way. This is how I want to play the game. This is how we're going to do it. Are we going to make mistakes? Yes. Are we going to switch from that system? No. So how about any changes that might come from the back of the Rangers game, Andrew? What do you think could happen? It's difficult to know how many changes he can make, to be perfectly honest. You could change the system, for instance. Will he yeah, do you, you, you could change to a, a back four. Or I keep thinking, if you're going to play with two wing backs, given that his defensive qualities aren't great, why are you sticking with Jaden Richardson there? Put Matty Kennedy in there. Matty has shown that he can defend and he's he's good going forward. He's quick. Um, he can get across into the box. He's a decent player going forward. He's scored a few goals, which Jaden, for all that he looks good going forward, his end product is sadly lacking. 
maybe it's just been a bit of a step too far for Jaden Richardson. And the fact that the Dons are being linked with Tranmere's right back kind of suggests that the recruitment team has realised, or the coaching staff in association with the recruitment team have realised, you know what, we're going to have to get somebody in that can defend it right back. I don't like criticising individual players, but Jaden has been a, a weak link that, you know, has been played on. Look at Ryan Kent. Coming into that game, his confidence must have been pretty low. His numbers were poor. And yet, he got the free run of that left-hand side for Rangers. But where was Jaden Richardson? Can you ever recall Jaden Richardson being the guy who was the first defender that he met? No. So where was he? <laughs> it beggars belief. You know, surely um, he's got his... When out of possession... The wing backs have become have got to become auxiliary full backs, but that didn't seem to be happening. So, I think that I'm not sure that he'll stay with the three at the back. He may just go for a a tried and tested back four. Hayden Coulson at left back, Scales and Stewart in the middle, and maybe even Ross McCrory at right back because he is a solid defender, and and maybe have Matty Kennedy in there helping out in the middle of the park because he showed in the Kilmarnock game, remember when uh, um, he was kidding everybody on that he was Busquets. <laughs> yes. He played he played really well in there and did a lot of good defensive work. So th- there are changes that need to be made in terms of the setup to counteract Hibbs. Hibbs may be without Martin Boyle. He went off at half-time, didn't he? Yeah, but they've got a wee bit of momentum after their win against uh, St Mirren. They've already beaten Aberdeen this season. So it's going to be a tough game on Friday night. But I think it's just just telling your defenders to get back to basics. Everybody loves to see free-flowing total football. But there comes a time when Rose Ed in the stand is where the ball's got to go. And unfortunately, too often... Um, we seem to be taking the wrong options in defence and not just going safety first. It's an interesting one. was one of the things Jim Goodwin pointed out to the, the goal that we conceded in, in injury time at the end of the first half. He said, you know, maybe in retrospect we should just pump that out into the into the stand. We had a chance to clear it first off rather than than, uh, than not doing that. But, you know, as you say, retrospect's a, a fantastic thing. Um, I just want to sort of drill down and, and, and hammer this one into, <laughs> into submission. So the case then is is to be made for playing differently against Rangers, Celtic, any club away from home uh, and being more conservative, harder to beat, rather than just trying to play your own game and, and, and being punished. Should we should we have changed shape and reverted to a back four to start this one and then try to find the happy medium, maybe switch formation during the match as we go into it, Dave? No, as I said, I think the pointers were there to back Jim up. But my main point is why, when it wasn't working, we didn't change quickly enough, particularly as we got the goal, we were ahead. It just beggars belief that we, yeah. we continued and we paid the price, you know, and you, you could, when you're approaching half time, it's 1-1 and you could just see the goal coming. It was almost written and that just changed the whole mood of uh, Ibrooks because uh, they were getting on, you know, when we went one up, it was a very quiet place. By half time, that had all, all been changed and their previous worries were all, all but forgotten. Just in general terms, Andrew, do you think maybe we should have a formation for away from home uh, that is more conservative than, than being at Pitodri? You've got to take each game in isolation, to be perfectly honest. You've got to 
match up to what your opponents are going to do, but be perhaps a little more conservative when you're away from home and be aware of the fact that it's not your home patch that you're playing yeah. on. Uh, the opposition is expected to take the game to you. Often suits Aberdeen, you know, hitting on the break. We've seen it on, down the years. Keep it tight away from home and have a bit of pace up top. And we've got that up top now. Duke, initially, I thought, played really well against Rangers. They had no idea what to do with him, had they, initially? No, no, they didn't. It was only once he was starved of service um, because Aberdeen just didn't have any of the ball that um, his effectiveness was was completely negated down at, at Ibrox. So I, I think you've... I mean, our next away game is at Livingston. Now, Livingston tend to keep it pretty tight, even at home, and, and try and hit in the break. Um, so... Uh, it's it's a difficult one. If if both sides go that way, you can see, you know, <laughs> eleven players in each half. Just don't don't cross the halfway line. Yeah. We'll just blank each other out. But um, but no, I think we're, it's a very laudable um, ethos to have. We don't care who the opposition is. We're going to go and we're going to stick to our game plan. But I'm afraid such are the disparities between the levels of some of the teams in Scotland. You cannot afford to go and do that kind of thing. And and it's it's crazy to think that you can, to be perfectly honest. I'm in agreement with Dave. It took far too long for okay. the, the problems to be realised. And that's something the manager said, I'm the man that makes the decisions. I'll take all the criticism on board. He, he's, he's honest in that respect. Let's just see... Has he learned the lessons? Time will tell. Okay. Uh, just one final thing in this game. Our, our first one at Ibrox featuring VAR, Andrew. On that note, how do you think it went? Um, well, <laughs> uh, nothing changes. <laughs> Penalty to Rangers. Uh, the only thing that changed was that James Tavernier missed it. Um, but uh, no, I, I think on the whole, VAR got everything right. Um the Jaden Richardson penalty was a penalty, even though it bounces up off another part of your body and it nicked off his leg but he's, he threw his arm out and I must admit I was surprised that Nick Walsh didn't give the penalty straight away and had to go to VAR that was maybe there, there's been a bit of criticism flying about that some of the referees are tending instead of seeing what is a stonewall decision they're tending to go to the insurance policy of VAR just to double check to make sure that they don't look silly. And it disrupts the flow of the game. And some of the VAR checks appear to be taking an awful long time. But God, you I can't think, win. You cannot win being an official, no, can you? you no, just... no you, you, you can't. You can't. I mean, uh, but that to me looked like it was a stonewall penalty that you didn't have to go to, to VAR. Now, the only way that VAR would have intervened there is if Willie Collum, who was the video assistant referee, said, Sorry, Nick, you've got that completely and utterly wrong. His arm was down by his side. He wasn't making his silhouette any bigger. It ticked none of the boxes to say that that is a handball and should be a penalty. That was completely the opposite. It looked like a penalty. It was a penalty. So I think they've got most things right. There were one or two at the weekend that, um, you know, the Tony Watt, was it a red card? Was it not a red card? I think a lot depends on which angle you look at it from, but to my ignorant eyes, I thought, that looks like a, a red card. To me, he, he dragged his, his studs down the back of the guy's leg. 
And for me, that's a red card. It was high. The surprise was that John Beaton, well, maybe it's not a surprise, but John Beaton didn't even deem it a foul. He let play go on. But I think VAR is, is so far so good with a few caveats which we'll doubtless see more because we're going to both see it up close and personal on Friday night. <laughs> I know. Um, I know. And uh, in, a, in a way, I'm looking forward to it, but I just hope that um, we don't have anything majorly <laughs> controversial to deal with. Yes. The referee appointments haven't come out as yet, so I don't know who the man in the middle or the man down at Clydesdale House is going to be, but um, I'm just hoping that... Um, our eyes are more on the action happening on the pitch rather than on the iPad in front of us. It's telling us, as I've our check going on, John, you've got to announce to the stadium what's happening here. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting. But I think um, over the piece, it's it's been relatively successful. Interesting enough, Andrew, in the paper tonight, Willie Miller is arguing the fact that that was never a penalty, that uh, Richardson couldn't do anything. He had to have his arm out to balance himself. Was, uh, obviously, as a fellow defender, Willie's going to do that, but he's saying it was never a penalty kick. It just shows I thought it was a pen. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a penalty as well. Um, and I, I see that um, Michael Stewart, who is a great one for body mechanics, what's he supposed to do? Cut his arm off? You know, Michael just, I think, likes to disagree for the sake of disagreeing a lot of the time. No. Um, but. Um, I did think it was a penalty. Um, I would like to think that there's a consistency, though, that when that happens on a weekly basis, that penalties are given rather than one's given, one's not given. And then it, then the conspiracy theorists have a field day. They go, it was given at Ibrox. That's Rangers always get every penalty that's going. Yeah, you'll, you'll, that you'll, never, you'll never change that. I saw a cartoon no. this week and it had the, 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 you know, the, the trailer that they uh, look at the <laughs> The TV on uh, as the Loudoun Tavern. So <laughs> yes, I, it was I, uh, you know that, the, the, the Vanavan. Bar Centre for yes, yes. Hims uh, um, next, Dave. They they beat us three one down there. Currently, a point above us in the league, having played a game more and possibly coming out of a wee bit of a slump in form. They did some winning three 0 the weekend at Easter Road. Do you think they'll come up to us and play slightly differently because they're away from home? I mean, how's it going to go? And, and will Jim Goodwin have a word with the ref about Ryan Porteous before this one? He may need to phone it in. Yeah, he might have to or just stand at the front door waiting for the ref to arrive. But, <laughs> uh, I, I still don't think Hibs are anything like the finished article, despite the fact that a, a big boost uh, with a win at the weekend. And the incentive for Aberdeen is, of course, that we can go, go back into third position. And uh, also, you know, give daylight between ourselves and Hibs with a game in hand over them. And as we've touched on, our home form has been great. You know, we're, we may have uh, conceded more goals than anybody else so far, but we're scoring plenty but, uh, at uh, Pataudry. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I do think Hibs will, will treat it as an away game, obviously. The fact that Martin Boyle's likely to miss out is a, a boost, um, although the Ukrainian lad's doing very well up top for them. But uh, yes, I like your use of the term Ukrainian lad. I'm about to now, have a now that I don't do commentary, I don't have to actually <laughs> learn how to pronounce it. Well, there, there seems to be a lot of chat about the striker. Let's go for it, Andrew. Is it is it Kukarevich or Kukarevich? Kukarevich, I think. All right, I think. 
instant fan favourite. You're going to have to shout his name out, not yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always make a decision on this is how we're going to pronounce it. I'm going to pronounce it this way until the end of time, and he'll be the one that'll change it, not me. Uh, Martin Boyle, usually a, a handful as well. As you say, he's a doubt, but... Uh, is this more about what we do than worrying about the opposition too much? That's the way that they'll look at it. It's what we do. Um, and as I say, we've got to defend better. But I agree with Dave. Hibs are not the finished article. Uh, there's still a fragility about them. Um, you know, they'll they'll win two or three games in the spin. Then they'll go and lose two or three. It's like everybody in, in the, the top flight, probably Rangers, and Celtic apart, and even Rangers have shown their inconsistencies at times. So I think it will be a, a close game. I think I'm right in saying it's about the fourth or fifth time that Aberdeen have played Hibs on a Friday night. We've beaten them every time, and Hibs haven't scored any goals in these games. And they, so the Dons will go into it feeling that they're at Petaudry, where they've played well many times this season. They'll fancy their chances, and they, I think they've got enough in the tank that they can win the game. Okay. Well, let's get on to a score predictor for that one. Aberdeen versus Hibbs. Andrew, we'll start with you. I'll go 2-0 Aberdeen. And Dave? 2-1 Aberdeen. Oh, we're going to concede, are we? Okay, fair enough. That's that's not not the uh, the most I've, optimistic. I've seen our defence this season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on to Aberdeen women now. Finding SWPL1 a lot tougher this season compared to last. Sunday pass, though, potentially the biggest game of the campaign so far, perhaps come the end of it, the most important overall as the Dons face the only team below them in the division, Glasgow women, and this time back home for a game at Petaudry. And that was enough to get them over the line and inspire them to a 2-0 victory. That could be so important, couldn't it, Dave? Oh, very much so. I mean, but in, it was a one of these must-win. The fact it was at Petaudry, they had a de- decent crowd there and uh, it seemed to be an absolutely fantastic occasion and they got the right result and Hopefully now that will kickstart the, the, the girls for the rest of the season. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, on to the under-18s, who, as I mentioned last week, haven't lost a match since August. Two draws, four wins since that stage, most recent of which came against Ross County in Dingwall, with the Dons progressing to the next stage of the Scottish Youth Cup with a 5-1 victory. Then, this Friday, it's back to Cormac Park to take on league leaders Hamilton Ackies. As tough a test they've had this season when we played Ackies before, Andrew. How do you think it's going to go this time, though? Well, they've got um, a wee bit of revenge to take on Arkies because, of course, Hamilton beat them 6-2 down at New Douglas Park. And uh, I think the boys will be fired up for this one. Uh, they were due to play Hearts last week. I think I said in the programme they were going to be down at the Orium, but the game was called off because Hearts had players away in international duty. So they've, they've had a couple of weeks to build themselves up for this. Barry Robson and Scott Anderson will have them fired right up for this. It's just unfortunate that the game kicks off at five o'clock at Cormac Park on Friday. Yeah. The first team kick off at half past seven. Clover at home on Friday night as well. There's a so many games in Aberdeen that a lot of people would like to go and see all three games, um, but they're not going to manage to do it. But um, the under-18s, I fancy them... At home, they're a, a very, very good side at Cormac Park. Only Motherwell have managed to... Well, Motherwell and Celtic have avoided defeat at Cormac Park this season. And we've beaten Hearts and Hibs 4-0 apiece. We've beaten St Mirren 9-0. I think it'll be a really good game because Hamilton are currently sitting top of the table. But I fancy Aberdeen to get revenge. But it'll, it'll be a tight game. Could be an odd goal victory. But um, 
given that we'll always have a hat trick, that would mean that it's got to be three <laughs> two at the very least. So you're going yeah. to see goals. A tight game, yeah, 7-6. That'll be one of those. Yeah. Uh, into the Championship and Cove Rangers, who last time came from behind twice, so in a 2-2 draw away to Air United. This weekend past, they were on the road again to face bottom of the table, Hamilton Ackies. But nothing's ever straightforward in this league where anyone, it seems, can be anybody else on their day, as Ackies proved a couple of weeks back when they defeated Inverness 1-0 in the Highlands. This one, a bizarre match in many ways. First name of the score sheet again, Mark Reynolds, who seems to have found a knack of scoring in the twilight years of his career. And at one point, Cove were leading 4-1. I dare say a few Aki's fans left at that point. Uh, they'd have missed the eventual comeback for a 4-4 draw at full time. Just nuts, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. And at 4-1, winning away from home, obviously, it will have just felt like a, a defeat by the by the end of the game and still the monkey not off the back of not winning away from home in, in the league. But uh, at 4-1, you should be seeing a game out. It's 4-1 into, the, you know, you've half an hour or so to go. Fair play to Hamilton and John Rankin, the manager, that uh, great for from them to get the the share of the spoils, but it was a game that Cove really should have seen out. And of course, Jim McIntyre missed the game because he tested positive for COVID. So it was Jimmy Boyle that was doing the, the post-match stuff. But uh, no, he, the management team will have been very, very disappointed that they couldn't uh, hold on to that. But yeah, you mentioned Mark Reynolds, uh, you know, goal machine is our Mark these days. <laughs> Please from he's only about 195 goals behind Mitch Meganson now for Cove. Well, he's getting there. <laughs> He'll be at 280 by the time he gets to Mitch's tally. Yeah, well, uh, Cove's next match Friday evening when they're back at Balmoral to face Queen's Park. That's not going to be easy either, Dave. No, it's not. Um, a team they know very well, although both squads have uh, changed a bit uh, from, from last season when they, they played quite a few times. But uh, it's going to be very, very tight, uh, but it's on, on the BBC, so chance to showcase their talents in front of fans. But again, it's just such a shame. Andrew touched on it that yeah. uh, Aberdeen and Cove are both playing on a Friday night at home because I was reading that Banks of Deer trying to get some higher league games at Spain Park for a Friday night when Cove and Aberdeen are at home on the Saturday because it really does affect their their attendance and uh, yeah you know there is a lot of people that would love to go and see all the home games involving the Aberdeen sides it's just one of these one of these things that unfortunate uh, but yeah you know the, the I think the Aberdeen game was changed to the Friday before the BBC announced that the Cove game was going to be their TV game for that night but just unfortunate yeah, Cove's next match Friday evening, as we say, Balmoral, they're facing Queen's Park. Peter Head next, far from a great season so far, rooted to the bottom of League One and clinging on to Clyde just above them in the table. Expectations low as we enter this weekend's round of fixtures with FC Edinburgh visiting Balmoor. Uh, as much a free hit as anything else, but I've said before this season, Peter Head often have that thing where they they rally and they play better against the teams at the top end of the table. And they do have it in them to, to knock out an unexpected score. And that's exactly what happened here. That one ended 1-1. Better, Andrew. The thing is, they've got to use that to bolster confidence and it's a catalyst to push on, haven't they? Absolutely. I mean, they, it's it's strange that, you know, they've managed to go down to Dunfermline and draw. They've managed there to, to draw with... Edinburgh. I think they're now calling themselves simply Edinburgh because I think some of their fans weren't too happy at being called FC Edinburgh because the, the club didn't consult with them. 
Um, right. It was Edinburgh City, if you remember. But yes. I think they're now just calling themselves Edinburgh. Who knows? Uh, it'll change again next week, probably, because the fans will go, no, we want something different. But a, a good point for Peterhead. Once again, um, you know, they were in the lead. They had a, then had a man sent off, and then Danny Handling scored the equaliser for Edinburgh. They'll be disappointed at having the man sent off and not being able to hold on. But they've now got to build on that. Their next game, away to Montrose. Now, ordinarily, you would be looking at that and going, oh, that's really difficult. But Montrose lost 4-0 away to Airdrie last week, so their confidence will have taken a little bit of a dent. So are you catching them at the right time? I'm not sure, because Stuart Petrie's side, again, has had a decent season. They've had more good results than bad. So it will be difficult down at Lynx Park on Saturday. But there's... There's a fighting spirit, clearly, in Jim McAnally's squad that has now got to start getting results that show the spirit that's in there. They're only a point behind Clyde, but they are cast adrift at the bottom. And Clyde this week parted company with Danny Lennon. So will there be a new manager bounce there? I'm not so sure. But I think if Peter Head can get themselves ahead of Clyde, um, that's got to be their their short-term priority because, you know, they're 11 points behind Kelty Harps, who are in eighth place, and that's a lot of points to make up, even this early in the season. Um, but there's glimmers of hope there, which is good. Just thinking as you were talking there, uh, FC Edinburgh, grasshoppers of the grass market? Midlothian, Munchen, Gladbach, <laughs> perhaps? Who knows? Uh, for the Highland teams, after a split between the uh, Scottish Cup and the League campaign last week, a bit of a division again, with four of the clubs involved in the Highland League Cup this weekend past. First of all, the league results. Brewer Rangers, five. Imbruri Locos, two. Bucky Thistle, two. Forest Mechanics, nil. Fraserburgh, two. Rothis, nil. Keith, one. Nairn County, one. And Tariff United, one. Brecon City, four. GPH Builders Merchants Highland League Cup preliminary round. Wowzers. Strasbury Thistle 2, Lossiemouth 3, and Wick Academy 0 for Martin United 2. And in the table, that means Brecon remain top on 34 points. Brora and Bucky are just behind on 31. Champions Fraserburgh back in fourth spot on 26. And Magsadine now bottom spot on minus 1 having been deducted points for fielding unregistered players. And still, they have Strasbourg Thistle in their sights, uh, just three points ahead of them. But with uh, Banks of D having a couple of matches in hand, I shouldn't think they'll be in too much danger of finishing bottom, but a harsh lesson affecting, well, any other aspirations they may have had for this season's league campaign, Dave. Yeah, it was um, extremely harsh. And uh, I know it's the rules, but uh, it does seem ridiculous that uh, the number of points, which, to be fair, They've accepted and they're moving on. I mean, to be honest, there's no chance in finishing bottom, but they, what I think the, the target must be or is likely to be for them is to, at the end of the season, add on 24 points and see where you would have finished and get yeah. a, a better idea of the, where, where you're at. And there's every chance that those 24 points could, could have made them top, top of the, the, the league as they've shown both home and away that they're as you know, a match for anybody on their day in the table, but uh, very, very harsh. Why do you deduct those points? Why don't you point out to the, the, the club at the time, look, you fielded an eligible player today. Is that not the role of the, the, the league to go and do that? There's obviously a miscommunication somewhere along the line, and I don't think it can all be, you know, put down to the, the club. They're talking about emails that were 
picked up or whatever. But, you know, if, if an email is not picked up and you expect someone to acknowledge it, you send another email or you phone or get in touch. It just, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but there are very good people at Bank City, both on and off the, the field. And I just think it's a really disappointing way for their first season at Highland League level to, to go. And uh, I, personally, I don't think they deserve it. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, in the juniors, Dave. Yeah, it was Scottish Cup uh, third round action. And after that, there's one local side left. East End 3, Newmarket United 1. And the reward in the last 16 is a trip to Lark Hall Thistle. And as Andrew said to me, they better not borrow a set of strips from Bucky Thistle for that game. It probably wouldn't be advisable. <laughs> Elsewhere, Dundee's Craigie 3, Ellen United 1. Uh, Stonehaven 1, St Rocks 4. To put that one into context, it was 2-1 for St Rocks with three minutes to go. Stonehaven attacking, got caught in the break a couple of times and you know ended up 4-1 and they're out. In the Premier League, Cooter dropped their first points of the season. They were held at home by Dice to 1-1-1. Hermes, meanwhile, they moved three points clear at the top after winning 5-0 at Maud. Elsewhere, it was Bankery 2, Colony Park 4. Dufftown 1, Montrose 5. Near St. Ninian 1, Stonywood Parkfield 2 in the Championship, Sunnybank 5, Forest Thistle 1. So they're cleared at the top, although Isleville 1, Bank City Junior uh, 3, so they, they won 3 1. Fraserburgh United weren't playing at the weekend, uh, but so they're, they're still in contention. And as are Rothy Rovers, who defeated Devon side 2 0 away from home. So it's a regional cup action this weekend. Holders of the regional North Regional Cup are East End and they've got a home tie against Longside, which I expect them to win. And that is pretty much it for episode 55 of Pitaudry PS. We aim to publish every week on a Tuesday if we can. Always looking back to the Don's previous fixtures and ahead to the next. Please remember to follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. If you could rate and review us, tell us what you think of the show too. We'd be very grateful. Thanks for checking out Pitaudry PS. We'll see you next time.